Today, what we're talking about is, if you're taking notes today, I got a title for you. Every day is race day. The title of today's message is, Every Day is Race Day. Every day is race day. Now, some of y'all, when y'all hear the word running, you want to crawl under your chair. Is that anybody out there? Yeah. You hate running. Some of y'all out there would say you love it. Wow. A lot of you guys. Okay. All right. Well, you're in for a treat tonight. For those who love running, for those who love running, you're in for a real treat tonight because the whole message is going to revolve around the fact that every day is a race. Every day is race day, and you're the runner that is running the race. That's the main idea we're looking at today, and I hope that you're encouraged as we look at this text in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's a great text, but I'm going to tell you, it revolves around this theme, this idea of a race. Before we go any further, I need you to know, back a long time ago, Jay knows this from whenever he knew me as a young lad, all right? I signed up for the St. Jude race. Has anybody ever ran any of the races at the St. Jude, like, marathon weekend? Have you all ever done that before? Your mom has, but you have right there? You have? What'd you run? The 5K? What'd you do? The 5K? What'd you do? The 10K twice. That's sick. That's awesome. Anybody else? What'd you do? 5K. 5K? All right. Anybody else? Okay. Here's the deal. Shh. Right here, right here. My first race ever that I've ever ran. I've never run track or cross country, none of that kind of stuff. But in college, I said, I want to try to run a race. And so I signed up for the St. Jude. I was going to run the half marathon. 13 point, just hang on, 13.1 miles. And so I went to register, but when I got to the registration, it said the half marathon was already full. So I thought to myself, I'll just sign up for the full. I mean, how bad can it be, right? 26.2 miles was what I signed up for my first race ever, and I started training. Today, we're going to look back at that race moment, that race day that I walked through as we look at the illustration that we see from Hebrews here about Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that we have been called to run the race like every day is the marathon. So, without further ado, let's jump into the text. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of what? Okay, that was weak. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of? Just now, we saw Jeff Maxwell put the pedal to the metal with a very light jog, and y'all were cheering, and all of you were witnessing what just happened. However, in this text right here, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it's actually referring to Hebrews chapter 11. Many people call this the the chapter of, the the hall of faith is what they call it. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith because it captures 
all of these amazing people in the Bible that ran the race before us already, and now they look at us and they're cheering us on with high fives and big claps as we run the race that they've already ran. That's what it is, that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, by all these people from Hebrews 11, like Abraham and uh, Isaac and Jacob and David and Joseph and uh, Gideon and all these other men. We see these men and women like Rahab and others that, that just, they've already run the race, and now they are the witnesses of the race that we're running now today. So therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, check it out. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now I want to stop there. Blake, I'm probably going to come back to these verses as I get to each point here, okay? But I want to stay here for a moment. Let us lay also, or let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. This is talking about the idea of a race that we're going to see here in a moment. But he says, let us lay aside every weight. If you're taking notes tonight, I got the first thing for you. We have three big points. The first one is this. Let us lay aside. Let us lay aside. Lay aside means to get rid of. It's the idea of removing something or putting something away. In this text here, the author of Hebrews gives us two items that we need to lay aside he says let us lay aside number one worthless weights let us lay aside worthless weights let's make wise decisions when it says worthless weights it talks about every weight that's hanging over extra on top of us and and what i think about when i think about that is anything that is um you know extra weight on the race if i'm going for a run I'm not going to bring with me a gallon of water on my shoulder for this run, right? Y'all with me? Because that's just extra weight. Uh, there's a comedian I love to watch. Uh, his name is Nate Bargatze, and he has this clip that he talks about. Some of y'all love him. Yeah, you know him. Uh, my, I love it. I watch his podcast every week. Me and my wife have seen him in person once at the Orpheum. He's so funny. He's, he grew up in a Christian home. He's a, pretty, he's a clean comic, and so he's just great. Anyways, he, um, he has a joke that he tells about whenever he was climbing a mountain called Mount Rainier. He was climbing it, and he was worried about how much weight he had in his pockets. I want to show you this clip, and then I'll come back. I'll show it to you real quick, all right? We drive up, we park, and we're walking up the trail. So we're going up it halfway. I mean, I can barely breathe. And this couple's coming down, so I stopped him. I was like, hey, is this enough where we're at? You know, is this like, you get it. Like, we're not trying to live on this mountain. And the lady goes, I'm 75 years old, and I did it. And I was like, all right, maybe that's why I didn't hear the question that I asked. <laughs> Everybody's pretty cocky on the way down. I mean, there was women with babies. They had three-month-old babies strapped to their chest. I was like, why would you bring that much extra weight with you? I left my wallet in the car. They looked exhausted. I'm surprised they're not just babies left up there, and rangers have to come down. Whose baby is this? That's ours. We're going to let it grow up and come down on its own. Nate talks about climbing a mountain. He says, I'm not even going to bring my wallet with me because I don't want to take any extra weight with me on the climb. And in our journey with the Lord, in the race that we're running, how many extra weights are we bringing with us that maybe they're not bad, maybe they're not a sin, but man, they're not the wise decision to carry with us on our race. Have you ever looked at your, maybe it's a, 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 
a device in your home, maybe it's an iPad or a phone or maybe a TV, and you just thought, how much time have I spent looking at this all week long? See, maybe it's not a sin to spend time on your phone or in front of a TV or in front of an Xbox, but man, is it the wisest decision if you're running your race? Is that holding you back from something more? When you're thinking about worthless weights, it's not about it being right or wrong. It's the question of this. Is it a hindrance to the race that God has invited you into? Is it hindering you from what God has called you to be and for what God has called you to do? He says, lay it aside. Put it down. Take it, take it off, man, and run the race full. That's what he's calling us to, is to lay aside the worthless weights. Make the wise decision. Let me ask you a question. What is it in your life right now as a seventh grade guy or maybe an eighth grade girl or a or sixth grade student in the room and out like what is it in your life that maybe is a weight it's not bad it's not something that's wicked or evil but just to be honest with you it's not helping you to continue to run your race with jesus well that the lord may be saying hey you probably need to put that down you could probably think of it right now is it you spend a lot of time all you think about all the time is your xbox or all you think about is your social media. Or all you think about it is, is the next hangout with your friends. What is it in your life that is, is just consuming and taking over? That's, maybe it's a weight in your life. The Lord's saying, hey, maybe let that take a back seat so that this can be the front seat. How do you make that wise decision? The second thing he says there is not just worthless weights. He also says sticky sins. He calls it the sins that cling to us so closely. He even says the, the word in there is like almost like it's entangling you. It's tripping you up and it almost is something that grabs you and holds on in your life. And it's not just something that's a hindrance. It's something that is bad. It's wicked. What is that thing that's a sticky sin that, man, you put your hand in it one time and it feels like it's stuck to you like syrup? What is that sticky sin that has clung to you that you have had a hard time letting go? Is it gossip? Is it overeating? Is it pride? Is it selfishness? Is it disrespect to your parents? Is it lust? Is it greed? Is it anger? Is it envy? Is it lies? Is it hatred? Is it idolatry? Is it laziness? What is that sticky sin that has grabbed the hold of your life that you seem to, no matter what you do, it just seems to stick to you like syrup? What is it? I hope, look, look this right here. I hope you hear me today when I see in this text of Hebrews 1, if you're going to run the race well, you have got to lay aside those worthless weights by making the wise decisions, but also those sticky sins in your life that you need to make the right decision with. Lay it down. Throw it off. Don't get tripped up on the race. You know, there's a text, and I almost didn't tell this story today, but I was talking about it with some guys earlier this afternoon. People say the Bible is boring. I'm telling you, they're tripping. The Bible is full of some good stuff. And in Genesis chapter 34, there's a moment where this village, the town of Shechem, there was a man in that village. His name was Shechem. He was the son of Hamor. Shechem ends up in that story that we see in Genesis 34. He ends up doing something terrible, awful, I mean abusive to the daughter of Jacob. And her name was Dinah. It's terrible. It is 
a horrible moment. He was lustful and hatred towards her. It was so bad. And the brothers are so mad at what has happened that they end up going into the village and they slaughter every single man who lived in the town of Shechem. All of them were killed by the sword. It's a horrible scene. They murdered a whole village. After that moment in Genesis 35, God calls Jacob and his sons to repent. And it says they go and they tells his brothers, listen to what he tells me. He says, you ought to purify yourself and put away your idols. Put it away. Clean up yourself, man. And this is what it says. Genesis 35, I think I have verse 4 right here. Let me show it to you. Genesis 35, verse 4. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had and the rings that were in their ears, because these were used for different foreign worship of idols. Jacob hid them. Jacob took all this junk, and he hid them under the terebinth tree that was in Shechem. He's got all this stuff. Imagine taking all this sticky sin, and he grabs it all, and it's like, I should probably go put this in a furnace and destroy it forever. And maybe maybe he's thinking, you need to put this in the trash can and take it to the landfill, but instead of putting it in the trash, this guy takes his junk and he hides it under the tree. You know why? For one reason. Because if this whole God thing doesn't work out, I can always go back, dig up under that tree, and get my sticky sins back. Isn't that wrong? That's so wrong. Why do we do this, though? We look at this story that we see in Genesis 34, 35, and we do it so often in our life. We hear the verse about laying aside the sticky sins, and instead of destroying them, burning them in the fire, we just put them under the trees so there's a chance that we can come back in a week or two later when we feel the same sticky sins tempting us again. The author of Hebrews is telling us as followers of Jesus, you want to run the race well? You need to lay these bad boys aside. And I'm not just saying hiding them under the carpet or stuffing them in the closet. He's saying, listen, you need to destroy them. Put them forever away. Put them aside. I I I wasn't going to share this story, but I'm going to tonight. Because I think some of y'all need to hear this. When I was in middle school, there was a DVD that we had in our house that was rated R. It was an inappropriate, wrong movie. And I remember watching it one time, and I hid it because I knew that my parents wouldn't want us to have that movie in our house. And I'm telling you right now, I'd seen that movie multiple times whenever it was during the summer. It was just by myself. And I remember when I said, this is so bad. I need to quit hiding this and feeling bad about this. I need to destroy it. I took that DVD, broke it in half, put it in my trash can, and rolled it to the end of the driveway because I was done with it. It was bad. It was wrong. And some of y'all in this room today have sins, sticky sins in your life that you've been hanging on to and hiding under the tree. And the, the text today is telling you, you need to lay them aside for good. Not for a week, but lay them aside for good. Second thing tonight in this text, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We see this. Therefore, since there is such a great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's your second point today if you're taking notes with us. Not just to let us lay aside the worthless weights and the sticky sins, but let us run the race. 
There's two qualifiers here. Let's run the race with one. Number of this is with endurance. You see, Hebrews compares us to runners, and he challenges us to run with two different qualifiers here. The first one is this, run with endurance. This is what you need to realize. Hebrews is telling us the race is going to be a challenge. The race is going to be a challenge. It's going to be toughy out the duffy. It's going to be a strong, strong race. Moses was rejected by Pharaoh. David was hunted by King Saul. Peter was imprisoned by Pharisees. Paul was beaten by the people. The Christian faith promises persecutions, problems, and punches. The Christian life promises persecutions, problems, and punches. If the world was willing to crucify Jesus, what will the world be willing to do to you? And this is why Hebrews is challenges to run the race with endurance, knowing that the race is going to be a challenge, but press on. Do not stop. Don't pull over for a pit stop. Keep on running. That's the challenge that the author of Hebrews is telling the church today. He says you ought to run with endurance. Do not quit. I remember being at mile 19 at my my long marathon that I ran, holy moly, I remember that race. I got to mile 19, and it's the spot where they call it, it's the, it's the runner's block. It's basically when you start running, you get to a spot where you literally, your mind says, I cannot go any further. Some of y'all get there at a quarter mile, okay? All right. At 19 miles, I'd try, I'd, I had trained all the way up to 19 miles. As far as I, I got to mile 19, and my mind said, you cannot go any further. And I'm telling you, I wanted, I wanted so bad to just start walking, to stop. There was a guy at the side that was giving out donuts. I was like, that'd be great. Yeah. I, I didn't want to endure. I didn't want to keep going. But what the Lord is calling you to do is even when you hit those runner blocks in the race, he says to keep putting that foot in front of the other and keep running the race to endure till the end. Not just as he say, run the race with endurance. He says, run the race that is set before us. Run the race that is set before us. This is your second piece of that puzzle. Run the race that is set before us. I put on there, the race is not just going to be a challenge. The race has also been divinely mapped out by the Lord. The race has been divinely mapped out by the Lord. You see, the Lord's mapped out the race for you. The Lord has mapped out the race for every one of you. He's not caught off guard by any hills or turns or puddles. He's not caught off guard by any of that stuff. And you are not the only one in your race who's going to encounter the hills and the turns and the puddles. In Hebrews 11, we see a list of people who have already run the race with the hills, the turns, and the puddles in their life already. And they're not looking at you thinking, woe is, woe is Camden over here on this side right here that's running the race. Woe is Camden. We we're not expecting him to have this challenge or problem in his life or this obstacle in front of him. They're saying, no, I had the same obstacles. I had the same challenges that you face today. I faced them in my own way on my race as well. 
But here's the good news, is that the Lord is not caught off guard by those challenges on the race. He is actually the one who has put you there and is going to help you walk through every one of those obstacles to help you complete the race yourself. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. Every one of these guys, listen, in Hebrews chapter 11, every one of them ran the race. They all had their own obstacles, but they all continued to persevere and endure in the race. The question is this. How did they do it? How did they, man, lay aside their worthless weights and their sticky sins? How in the world do they run the race with endurance and the race that's been set before them? How'd they do it? Here's the last piece of the puzzle today that I want to walk through with you is this. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 2. I want to show this to you. Actually, let's go back to verse 1. Let's go back one more. 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Let us also run with the race with endurance that is run, run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And then verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that verse just good? Isn't that just good right there? Y'all, y'all, I don't know if y'all get excited, but I love reading this kind of stuff. Jesus, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He endured the race. He despised the shame. He, he threw off all that other stuff. And now guess what? He's finished the race, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's the third thing for you today. Not just do we lay aside the weights and the sins, not only do we run the race with endurance, the one that's been set before us, but we also do this. We look to Jesus. Let us look to Jesus. That's the third thing they were looking at today, and I'm almost done. Let us look to Jesus. When I think he says look to Jesus, I think what he means is you're just fixing your eyes on the Lord. How do I throw off all that junk? How do I get rid of those weighty, uh, those worthless weights in my life and those, those sticky sins in my life? How do I keep running when I'm tired and the obstacles are in front of me? How do I do that? The author of Hebrews says, man, the way you do it is by looking to Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus every single day. It says there's two, two qualifiers we see with looking at Jesus. He says that he is the founder of our faith and he's the perfecter of our faith the founder of our faith means this jesus is the foundation for which we are even in the race in the first place the only reason i got a bib on my shirt that lets me be able to run with my number that says Corey o'hara born night or december 14th 1992 the only reason i have that bib there with my number on the front is because at seven years old whenever i was at a vbs jesus and his rich love and mercy saved me he redeemed me he reconciled me and he took me out of the fiery depths of hell the path i was on and he placed me smack dab in the middle of the race and now at 30 years old although i've been running already a little bit i know this that there's a cloud of witnesses in heaven that have are cheering me on and the number one person that's cheering me on today in my journey with jesus my race with him is jesus himself 
and he's championing me. And he's the reason that I'm even on this course right now is all because of Jesus. It's the only reason. He's the foundation. Matthew chapter 7, he says he is the rock that I've built my life upon. Whoever hears these words and builds his life on them will be a wise man. That's the rock that I built my life on. He's the foundation. And students, listen right here. Look over here. I'm telling you, some of y'all feel like you're not even in a race. And the problem I would ask you, the question I would ask you is this. Have you ever met Jesus in a real way where he put you in the game? Where you got saved and you said, you know what? I'm no longer like who I used to be. I'm following Jesus. He's the foundation for it and I'm following him. Some of y'all may say, yeah, I am that. I made a decision. I got saved when I was seven, when I was six, at fourth and fifth grade camp or middle school camp or when I was at at the house of my parents. I got saved then. And in that moment, you were put in the race. Can I give you an encouragement today? That Jesus isn't just the founder of the faith, but he's also just the perfecter of the faith. He's the one who ran the race with all endurance, who threw off that old junk and said, I'm following, I'm, I'm following my Lord as much as best I can, and he did it perfectly. The perfect run. When you run a marathon, if you're normally running, you normally have a time you're trying to hit. And so for me, my, my time I was trying to do is I was trying to be run the 26 miles in less than four hours. That was my goal. So I didn't care if it was three hours and 59 minutes and 59 seconds. I just wanted to be under four hours. And the way you do that, because I don't, I'm not over here like trying to keep it up myself. What I do is I, I look at someone else who actually has the perfect time to finish the race. And the way you do this, you find someone who's a pace setter. I'll show you this real quick. I'm going to show you a picture. If you're looking at a race, there's normally a, a couple of different people in the race that will have an outfit like this, a neon outfit or some sort, and then a big sign coming up, and it has a number on it. What does this say? 345. That's what it says, 345. And what that means is if you want to finish the race with a three hours and 45 minutes timeline, you know what you do? You stick with this guy right here. You stay with this guy right here, you're guaranteed to get a three hours and 45 time limit because this guy is the best runner in the business. And he can just easily hit that pace, no problem. And here's what we know is true. Jesus is the pace setter for every one of us. And he's the one who says, man, if you'll just abide with me, if you'll just stick with me, on this race, keep your eyes fixed on me. You, you don't, don't take a pit stop. Don't go that direction. Just stay with me. He's like, man, listen, I got something for you. He says, I will make sure that when you get to the finish line, you'll look back and say, what a race. We did it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know why? Because you chose, you said, in my heart, I'm going to do everything I can to lay aside the worthless weights and the sticky sins. I'm going to run the race with all endurance, knowing that the race that is set before me is the one that God's mapped out for me. And I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, who's the foundation, who's the reason I'm in the race in the first place, but then also he's the one that's going to help me get to the finish line. And the words that the Lord will say when I get there will be, well done, good and faithful servant. Because I abided and walked and ran with Jesus. Isn't that what y'all want? Anybody out there, you're like, yeah, that's me. Anybody? Come on, somebody give me some pride. Give it to me. Yeah, that's what I want. I'm with you. 
that's me. I'm with you. I want to run the race every single day. I don't want a day off. I want to run with Jesus hard every single day. If that's you, if that's you in the room, you're a student. Sorry, I'm stepping on your toe. I'm sorry. If you're a student, sixth grade, seventh grade, if that's you that wants to run the race, just lift your hand up from real hard. If that's you, you're saying, I want to get in the game and run hard. Can I pray for you real quick? Just keep your hand up real quick. Lord, I pray for our students right now that are lifting a hand that say they want to run the race well. They want to run hard, man. They want to endure and stay in the game, even when the obstacles show up. These are the students right now, Lord, that they're the ones that say, Lord, I want to lay aside these worthless weights. Some of them got some things that they just need to make wise decisions on. God, give them wisdom tonight to know what they need to do when they leave here to lay aside some of that stuff. Some of these students, Lord, they got sticky sins they've been dealing with in their life. They've just been hanging on to them. They've been struggling with it. They've been, they've been wrestling through it. And, Lord, I pray that today you would help them to get that freedom. If that's going to talk to their parents about it, if that's going to get rid of something or destroy something that they've had in their life for a while, help them today to make that decision to get rid of it. Give them freedom. Fight for them, Lord. Fight the battle for them like we learned at Catalyst. Help them to fight well by abiding with you there. And then the last thing I pray for them, Lord, is this, is that, Lord, there's some of them in the room today that I know. They've been running the race. They're tired. They're struggling. But I pray that today they'd be encouraged by the truth. That, Lord, you're the founder. You're the author of our faith. The only reason that any of us are in the race in the first place is because of you, Jesus. We thank you for it. I pray that today they would set their eyes on Jesus, that all these other things that maybe have been weighing them down, that they've been fixing their eyes on over there, may they remove that spot and just say, Lord, I'm all in with you. Would you help me today to press in and fix my eyes on you, Jesus? And I pray, Lord, as they abide with you every day, whether it be in the Bible, reading the word, or whether it be praying or listening to worship music, or maybe it's being around godly community, help them to just abide with you this week. May they not go by a whole nother week of Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays coming up over the next weekend, may they not go through a whole nother week where they go through and say, man, I just did it real passive. I took a pit stop. I was just chilling. May that not be the story of this generation of students right here, but can may we, Lord, may we just be students that every day's race day, we lay it aside, we run the race well, and we fix our eyes on Jesus. May that be the testimony of all those who are looking for that tonight. Bless us in that direction this week. We pray this in your name.